At the top of the program, like I said, the Penguins shouldn't come back with all their core three. Sid, Gino, and Latang. Sid's going to stay, so I'd trade one of the other two. It'll be tough because of the no-movement clause. Gino has a straight-up no-movement. Tanger can dictate 18 teams he'd agree to being traded to. But if you bring back all three, nothing really changes. You're the Los Angeles Kings. Latang was the least disappointing of the three in the Montreal series, which is like being the smartest guy in prison. Sid was probably playing hurt, and he's not getting traded under any circumstances. But the problem with all three is very similar. They just won't change their games. They're used to their talent overwhelming the opposition, and that didn't happen against Montreal, and it's just not happening nearly as often in general. Sid wants to exclusively attack off the rush every time. He doesn't like playing down low when he can avoid it. That's why he wants speed on his line, Sherry not Hornquist. And that used to work, but now it doesn't. Gino wants to dangle through people and accelerate, but his hands aren't what they used to be, and neither is his speed. Tanger wants to make risky plays like always, but now the reward just isn't there as much. The decline of those three isn't precipitous. They don't stink, not hardly. But they aren't what they were, and more significant, aren't what they think they still are. And the team's not as good, and they can't adjust to that. Those three has never been on a team that's not very good since their pro career started. That's got to be difficult for them to figure out and to work with. The example here for them should be Brian Trottier. When Trotz came to Pittsburgh from the New York Islanders, he was a former MVP and scoring champion, not to mention a four-time, four-time, four-time Stanley Cup champion. But his game was diminishing. The difference was Trotz figured it out. He adjusted and was very useful. Now that team was way better than this one. And the circumstances were different because of that. But Trotz didn't get in his own way. But honestly, I don't think Sid, Gino, and Latang are ever going to adjust. They want to play how they've always played. And I get it, and I respect it because of what they've done. But that makes it tougher moving forward. Captain Nemo brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956, and by Wall Family Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. I'd be remiss to not note that the previous segment was brought to you by CW Electrical Services and by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Uh, To reiterate, with that lottery tonight, Josh Owey kind enough to tweet and straighten us out. If the Penguins don't win the lottery, they get the 15th pick. Those are the options, and they can opt to give that pick to Minnesota. They traded the first pick to Minnesota in the Zucker deal, but it was lottery protected. So if they're in their lottery, they can keep the pick. But uh, obviously they wouldn't opt to give them the first pick overall, but they might opt to give them the 15th pick. So stay tuned and we will find out. Uh, Sid and Gino just couldn't produce versus Montreal. No goals and one assist for Gino. Sid had two goals and one helper. They weren't rotten. But it's not like they were on the edge either. Not on the edge of producing more than they did. Gino had 21 shots on the series. But most of them were like warm-up shots. He was just playing catch with Carey Price. 
Tanger mostly played okay, but he had a few brain cramps. He tried to throw a home run pass when Jari lost his stick, and it got picked off, and Jari couldn't get his stick. No goal, but, you know, it wasn't the right move. Tanger iced the puck on that empty net in Game 2 and brought the faceoff all the way back. Some people blamed him for Montreal's goal on Friday, but Tanner made a bad turnover, and then everybody on the Penguins got caught running around. That was ironic because Tanev had a decent series, especially given that he was one of the few Penguins that didn't suck out loud. But what a terrible turnover. And anyway, I always hesitate to criticize those responsible for surrendering the only goal in a one-goal game. One-nothing game, rather. The only goal allowed, let alone a situation where the Penguins didn't look likely to score all night long. They didn't score the last 94 minutes of that series. Think about that. Think about that. They got Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, all that firepower. If you want to go down the list a little bit, Zucker, Rust led the team in goals. No goals in 94 minutes. Yikes. So let's talk about it. What would you do? I wouldn't bring back all three of the core. I'd trade Malkin. Oh, he wants to trade Malkin again. Shut up, fat ass. Gino, 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 Gino. It's what I'd do, but I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think they're going to keep all three and do a nostalgia tour and just become the L.A. Kings. That's what I think they're going to do. Your thoughts, 412-333-9939. Sullivan was awful. I say that expecting he'll never be that awful again. I say that hoping he'll be introspective, hoping he'll uh, realize all the mistakes he made, hoping he won't be so stubborn moving ahead. At one time I hoped that about Dan Balsma, and he got even more stubborn after that. So we will see. Uh, I said this earlier, but to repeat, some people feel the Penguins compromised their style. I, I saw some guy... I forget who it was. A radio guy, I think, said the Penguins chickened out because they didn't play high octane. And somebody said that before. A caller, well, you got to stick to what you do. You got to, you know, attack, 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 attack. But the Canadians negated that in the neutral zone. There's another team out there, too, you know. The Penguins couldn't back them up or move them forward, so they couldn't attack off the rush. Like I said, Jesse Owens was fast, but he wouldn't try to sprint through a minefield. Your Penguins thoughts, 412-333-WXDX. We got Bob Airy at the bottom of the hour. Uh, college football is about to be canceled. The report is the Big Ten and Pac-12 will announce that tomorrow. I feel like Joe McGrath saying that to Reggie Dunlop in Slapshot. This is the last season. It'll be announced tomorrow. And with college football, I get that player safety is a concern. But if college football gets canceled, a lot of those players won't stay in school. I would bet most of them don't because they're in school for football. Now there's no football, so they go home and get in situations where they're actually more likely to get COVID or get in trouble or both. I think Trevor Lawrence said that, the Clemson quarterback. And then you got the high school football situation locally. The start has been pushed back two weeks, but it's going to get canceled. The governor just wants the PIAA to be the bad guys, and the PIAA won't. And if they push it back to the spring, they're really just pushing back when it gets canceled for good because nothing's going to be better by the spring. I give the Whitfield and PIAA credit for trying, but it seems futile. And uh, I posted a tweet uh, over the weekend. 
uh, which was half kidding, half not, but I think we should just open up everything. Go back to totally normal American life, concerts, sold-out stadiums for games, and if you get it, you get it. If you die, you die, because that's the only way we're ever going to get past it because these half measures with no cooperation are going to prolong the state we're in forever. People wouldn't wear a mask. They wouldn't avoid mass gatherings. They just don't want to sacrifice a little of their lives to fix it. As a result, we're never going to fix it, so let's just do what we do. Be America again, and whoever dies, dies. And if it's your grandma or grandpa, that's your tough luck. Because we told you so, and you didn't care. I saw Smash Mouth play at a concert in, at the Sturgis Bike Rally. And they said, screw COVID, we're all here together. Can you imagine anyone would risk getting COVID to see Smash Mouth? Aerosmith, maybe. I wouldn't. Risk co- I wouldn't go to see Smash Mouth if it gave me the full powers of my male potency from when I was 18. Okay, I would if that happened, but you get the idea. We got Steve, Big Z, and Paul on hold. Let's take Steve real quick. Steve, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Marky, hello, everybody. Um, I love the rant. Listen, uh, you know, you've got to get rid of maybe one of those guys, Horny or even Latang. You, you hold on to Latang. Who did you say Horny? Getting rid of yeah, horny. Get, getting rid of horny changes nothing. Nothing. Listen, I mean, again, I mean, you package them to, to prevent. Getting rid value. of horny changes nothing. Anything else? No. Well, Latang's definitely going to be in the block for value. You got to make sure. I don't know that he has that much here. value. And I would he trade. I would, I'm not ruling it out. I would trade Malkin before I trade Latang. I just think a defenseman is harder to replace, and all those minutes are harder to replace. But I could see yeah. it. Absolutely, but I see Marino who could step up, and I mean Marino. Oh, okay, but you're yeah. losing Schultz too. You're going from three what you thought were quality right-handed defensemen to one, and he's in his second season, and you're asking him to handle an incredible burden. You are, but you you didn't bring him in here, and he may be able to do that. I mean, you don't know. What if he, he can't? Can, but again, we won't know that until that what if he can't? Tomorrow, but you, then you go out and try to fix it like Rutherford always does. See, you can fix. The second-line center, easier than you can fix the number one defenseman. But thank you for the call. You just can. That's a fact. But Latang's easier to trade because Malkin has the full mo- no movement. And I really do think if you tried to trade Malkin, even hinted at it, like went to his agent, he might just go home to Russia. I really do believe that. Unless you trade him to Florida, he has the house in Florida, his wife likes Florida, all the Russians want to play in Florida until they get to Florida and then it turns out that Florida is still Florida. I'm talking about the team, not the state. No no uh, state income tax, though. That's huge. Okay, we got two guys on hold. We'll get you in a minute. We got Bibbs at the bottom of the hour, Bob Airy. This is a really good show. I want everyone to go on Twitter right now, uh, tag me in and say, this is a really good Mark Madden show, because it is. It's terrific. 105.9. 105.9. A lot of people in radio are saying, oh, bring back Sid, Gino, and Latang. Things will be okay. You just need to get rid of the obvious guys you need to get rid of. That doesn't change anything. Like I said, you're not going to replace Jack Johnson with Victor Hedman. You're not going to replace uh, uh, Jared McCann with uh, Steve Eiserman Jr. You you know, you're just not going to get great players to replace lousy players. You've got to overhaul things a little bit. And, and yeah, it's real tough to replace Evgeny Malkin, but maybe you get 
draft picks, you use that cap space, and you, you know, you, to change, you actually have to change. If that sounds dumb, it's no less true for being so. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I'm not sure the Penguins should bring back Mark Recchi as an assistant. I'm not anti-Rex, and he's an all-time great Penguin, but the power play got mangled, and he's in charge of it. And I'm not sure he's the conduit between the players and management to talk it was. Rex isn't terrible, but I think the Penguins might need better. Uh, Jason Botterill got let go as the GM at Buffalo. Botterill should be brought back to Pittsburgh as the associate GM and resume his place in line as Rutherford's successor. He's great at assembly and development and added a lot when he was with the Penguins. I have no problem with Rutherford. Uh, none. Uh, but this year, when he tried to fix things, it was a situation that couldn't be fixed. Not really. It's a good regular season team with good regular season players. But I do wonder if Jim can go to Sullivan and say, look, here's what didn't work and I want you to adjust. That's not Rutherford's style. He gives his coaches a wide berth, but I'm not sure Jim can do that now. Again, no problem with Jim, no problem with ownership or upper management, no problem with Sully beyond this series and this season. But but he has to understand he effed the series up. I mean, honestly, Sid and Gino were most to blame because he didn't produce. Sully's second most to blame. Rarely does coaching not, not lose a playoff series. Mike Sullivan came close against Montreal. Let's go to Big Z in Fox Chapel. Big Z, you're on with Double M. Hey now, Double M. Hey now. So, you know, what you're talking about when you're talking about the nostalgia tour, and I, I totally agree, and you talk about Los Angeles, and I'm looking at Chicago doing that with the caveat being that Look at what Chicago has done a little bit differently in terms of drafting talent as opposed to... Yeah, they've, they've gotten some decent cents. players, and Jim's given up some picks, but Chicago was still the 12th seed. I don't like to Correct. say their problems are solved because they pulled uh, one upset on a very vulnerable and poorly assembled uh, uh, team in Edmonton. Edmonton team. Right. Yeah. Well, no, you're right, and it remains to be seen what they'll do going into the now being in the actual playoffs. Look, look at but, Detroit. I mean, you know, Detroit still hasn't recovered. Yeah, boy, they are in a real... And you know what? It's nothing to be ashamed of either, though. You look at what Dotsuk and Zetterberg did. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals No, no, you, row, you and can't no be good team. forever. When I say the right. Penguins are following in the footsteps of Detroit, Chicago, and the LA Kings, I'm not being insulting. That's just what happens, right. and it's inevitable with any great team. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I, or I you could be like the Flyers. Finish middle, draft middle, stay middle. Right, and always be middle. But what do you think about Sully in terms of, like, you know, we've gone through this thing in coaches, minus Mike Johnston, but, like, having, like, a player's coach and then having, like, a dictator, like a Tarian, and then going back to a player's coach? You oh, you go back and forth to... between the two. At least we certainly have here in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to get rid of Sully, but he's got to understand what he did wrong and straighten it out. See, my big fear is I don't think he thinks he screwed up at all at this series. Right, yeah, I mean, just talking about getting to your game, and it's like, you can't, you, like you were saying, you can't be a team that tries to... No, no, Bowsma said get to your game. Sully said play the right way. Play the right way, okay, correct. 
but you know, making these stretch passes, the outlet passes, like you have to be able to realize you have to understand what you have, what you used to have, and what you don't have anymore. The Penguins want to do everything fast and hard. They're not fast. They're not hard. They have to find a different way. Let's go to Paul in North Hills. Paul, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, hi, Mark. Hey, uh, Mark, there's one group you haven't talked about that really the fans of Pittsburgh have to look at when it comes to the Penguins, and that's our hockey analysts in the city. I think you guys blew it this time. You know, you said at the beginning of the show this wasn't a fluke this series, but, boy, that wasn't the story last week. Uh, Okay, uh, Paul in North Hills, tell me one person anywhere, anywhere, who picked Montreal. Uh, No one. But you guys are experts. You spend your whole life. Okay, but no experts picked Montreal. Games, Nobody. You know Nobody. No, I spend my whole life being interesting and entertaining. I don't have to be right. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I just have to keep your interest, which I obviously did because here you are calling and listening. So thank you very much. I'll continue to spend the money you helped me earn on lavish things that you can't afford. Are we done? No, I'm, I'm not done. Oh, I really? You, because I if I say you're done, I'm pretty man. sure you're done. So apologize for interrupting me, and I'll let you keep talking. Uh, no. Okay, then F off. Goodbye. You know who the only person who picked Montreal was? The actor, Jay Baruchel, uh, from Goon. And and uh, he's a Canadian fan. I'm not sure he counts. Every single person picked Montreal. So if, if I'm wrong, all the experts were wrong. And you know what? We're still experts. And only one of us got paid for that conversation, jackass. I never saw it coming. I'd pick the same way. No, actually, now I wouldn't pick the same way. I'll tell you what you can call me out on. Before the playoffs started, I said the Penguins looked like the best team on paper. That you can call me out on. All right, up next, he is the guy. For the Penguins on TV, it's two-time Stanley Cup champion Bob Airy. Up next on The X. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One oh five nine. Joining me now to talk hockey, he won a couple Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You hear him now as the analyst on TV for AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. He is Bob Airy. Bibbs, what the frig happened? Because it's difficult to believe even now, three days later. Yeah, I'm still a little bit in shock and uh, talking to people in the hockey world, they can't believe it. But it's a situation, Mark, that if you're not invested uh, and you don't want to pay a price, you don't get a lot in life, uh, whether it's hockey or anything else. Uh, you you want you have to go out there and get it. Nobody's going to hand it to you. And, uh, well, they got it handed to them, quite frankly. Uh, they, they got what they deserved, the Penguins. They weren't invested as a hockey team together. And, uh, and consequently, um, it's going to be a long time off before we uh, see the Penguins in uniform again. I was very disappointed with Mike Sullivan's tactical decisions, his lineup decisions, I thought it was his worst moment as Penguins coach this series. Uh, what's your take on Sullivan's approach, Bibbs, and the shortcomings produced? 
Well, it's not just, uh, I don't think it's always the, the coach. It's a, it's a staff who makes decisions, a staff that made decisions to acquire players at the deadline. And then all of a sudden you have other players that come back and, and there's not room for everybody. Somebody told me a long time ago, there's not enough puck to go around. Uh, sometimes people just don't fit in the right slots. Uh, you know, Zucker was, was brought up to, to replace Jake Gensel. And, uh, well, all of a sudden they're both in the lineup. And then, then, so if you try to make a spot for, for them both in the top six, then you're bumping guys around and, and throwing them in positions that they may not, they may not be uh, comfortable in. And I also thought the power play, which was, uh, other than the one of the games where they scored a pair of goals, I just thought it was disjointed. Whether it was the breakout, maybe it was just they didn't have enough time to work on it. With Crosby missing five or six tryout practices uh, before before they dropped the puck here in Toronto, um, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but uh, they had they had guys that were there wasn't uh, steadfast roles. When when these power plays are good, you know exactly who belongs where and when and how it's going to work and. Uh, the Penguins were looking for all those answers, Mark. Why couldn't the Penguins crack the neutral zone? And is there a book now on how to beat Pittsburgh? Because I thought that Julianne with Montreal uh, did very similar tactically to what Trotz did last year with the Islanders. Yeah, I, well, you know, I don't know if there's so much a book, but you, you, I mean, yeah, you do watch video. There's, there's, uh, so you know, maybe there is a so-called book or, or a video way of having to, how it to control. That neutral zone, we see Columbus be able to do against Toronto to, to a certain regard. But at the end of the day, it's you know, you know, if you're going to dump the puck in, you have to go get it. So number one, you have to want to dump the puck in. Number two, you have to have the personnel that are going to go in it that are big and strong and can withstand some abrasiveness, whether it's in front of the net, whether it's in the neutral zone. And uh, quite frankly, to me, I don't think there was near, well, let's face it, there was not near enough abrasiveness on this hockey team. I mean, we look Brandon Tanev, after game three, led the team in hits with 12. Nobody had more than four. And uh, quite frankly, the last couple of uh, cup winners have gone to teams that are abrasive, that, that, that are going to beat you up over a long haul, a long period of time. When you talk about the Capitals, you talk about the St. Louis Blues. And now we see Columbus beat Toronto again. Columbus who beat Tampa Bay. He tried to finesse the way through a series last year. You have to have a nice balance. And it wasn't enough abrasiveness uh, for this hockey team. No, I agree with that. I thought they should have done more soft dumping just behind the defense instead of that stretch pass and tip. That might have engaged the defense. But again, like you said, because of the lack of abrasiveness, maybe that doesn't work either. Uh, Why did Crosby and Malkin just not score, especially Malkin with zero goals? And, And Bibbs, the big thing was I don't think either looked very threatening very often. Well, Crosby certainly was better than Malkin, uh, Mark. In my opinion, I thought he would. You know, thought there was a little, a little bit of certainly. Uh, um, you could see some energy in his game at times. Malkin, he just didn't have any energy. All his shots were basically on the power play when he was flat-footed. Uh, we didn't see him lug the mail. Uh, I don't think I once. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Malkin. Usually, when I describe him, it's he's romping through the neutral zone, or he's, you know, he's. Uh, Looks like a big horse out there, you know. Uh, but he didn't—he didn't have any of that in this series. Didn't uh, wasn't visible to me at all. Didn't have his legs with him at all. Um, well, he's 34 years of age. Why, you know? Um, let's say it. 
the, the team's getting a little bit older. Everybody knows it. Uh, there's no way to shy away from it. He came back, had a tremendous season. The layoff didn't bode well for Evgeny Malkin, who, uh, who had a better regular season this year by far than last year. But he still, with that time off, I think that hurt him at his age. How did Matt Murray play, and should Jari have played sooner? It's always a tough one. Uh, you know, I've I, I've toyed with this one for for the last period of time only because, and the reason I've toyed with it myself is because of the resurrection of Tristan Jari, a guy that could you know could be thrust in a position. I've never toyed with it before because, really, quite frankly, to me, there was nobody else to go to other than Murray, and I thought he was a bona fide number number one, a guy that has won two, two Stanley Cups and could could do it again. And I like just the fact that they started with him again, Mark. Um, so I want to call it unfortunate, lucky. Uh, was it was it a bad goal that he let in against Petrie? Well, I guess you could say it's all that. Shouldn't happen. And I've seen it happen time and time again when I watch around the National Hockey League. I watch a goalie in Winnipeg that's going to win the Vezina probably. I like I like Matt Murray better than him. He's not going to get paid like that. I don't know where he's going to get paid. Maybe the Penguins catch a break on him because of his play uh, this season and down the stretch in, in the playoffs. Maybe they save some dollars if they decide to go that way. Should they have played Jari earlier? I don't think so. I think the time was probably appropriate, and uh, that's probably what I would, would have done goaltending-wise. Well, I agree to disagree there because I don't think Murray's been worth much since 2017, quite honestly, Bibbs. He's, he's not been terrible, but he's been in decline. I would have given Murray the first game. I, I didn't have much of a problem with that, but uh, I thought Jari showed us a lot in that in that fourth game, admittedly, when, when he had nothing to lose by his performance. Yeah, he played better. The team played. It was a kind of a, a stiff game between both teams. Jari showed the ability to come off the bench this year and to start and run and, and win some games. He wasn't great in the second half of the season, was, was Tristan Jari. Um, <clears throat> I think it was... Uh, it's a tough decision. It's one that I have toyed, toyed with and pondered and uh, and thought about time and time again. It's easy in retrospect um, to go back and say, maybe you waited too long to go to Jerry. I probably would have done what Mike Sullivan done, did in that situation, Mark, and maybe I would have been wrong for it. We're talking to Bob Barry of AT&T Sportsnet here on 105.9 The X. Um, are the Penguins not as fast as they think they are? Because they like to play a speed game, but I thought Montreal was definitely faster. And even though I don't think there's an excuse for losing to the number 24 seed bibs, Montreal turned out to be a tough matchup just because of the way they play and who they got. Yeah, uh, they had some guys that, that you know, like Drouin came back uh, late in this, you know, uh, this season after an injury, and he's always a thorn in the Penguins' side. Uh, he always always puts up good numbers against the Penguins, six goals in his career. Their defense. You know, they had three great defensemen that were able to not only contribute offensively, which we saw in overtime or Petrie or we saw Weber joining rushes, but quite frankly, they were able to match up to our top with our top two centermen. They really were. They were able to nullify them quite easily, uh, whether it be on a five-on-five or on the penalty kill. They did a great job against the Penguins' power play. So, um, you know, I... They, they were ready. They were engaged. They, they, everybody up in, up there in Montreal told them they were going to get uh, the number one draft pick this year. It was going to be three and out. I mean, they they had heard enough about that. And quite frankly, uh, we've watched enough hockey, Mark, that we know that none of these are guarantees. None of these are guarantees. If you're not playing on your tippy toes, 
and, and, and ready to get in there and get your nose dirty. If you think you can just wander your way through any of these teams in the National Hockey League, well, sorry, you, you saw what happened. So the Penguins weren't ready. The Canadians had enough uh, bulletin board material, and they went out there, and they just beat the Penguins. They outgritted them, and they scored the big goals when they had to. They had a game plan. They executed it, and they were much better at it. Now, uh, what happened in Game 3 when the Penguins were ahead 3-1? Because I think that was not only the turning point of the series, Bibbs, but the point of no return. Yeah, you know, I hate to see. I hate to say, you know, some of, some of the, the players were saying, I think we let our foot off the gas. I mean, can we, can we give the Montreal Canadiens some credit? The Penguins didn't have didn't play sixty minutes in any games. Uh, you know they thought they were going to be able to to find a way again, an easy way to get through a hockey game, and and then uh, kind of see who they were going to play the first round of the playoffs if they had won that game. Just they just thought it was going to happen. It's called a hoper, isn't it? I mean that's the way. <laughs> that's what I call it. Well, I yeah, it, it, it was like I, I don't know though because I'm not sure they were. Playing that good to get ahead three to one. They had those two power play goals in fifty nine seconds. Other than that, that's I didn't think they were I that mean. far out in front of Montreal in terms of uh, the way the I game went. Well, that's what I mean. Give Montreal credit. I I totally agree with it. Montreal stayed the same way, didn't they? They didn't have the ups and downs. They just played the same way, despite the fact they were down three one in that game. Yeah, a couple power play goals gets the Penguins in front, and you know, and then they then they. Then they take the silly penalties, a couple of silly penalties. Let's take a retaliatory penalty. Let's take another hooking penalty. Let's just see if we can get ourselves in trouble here. And Montreal, they don't score in the power play, but they score relatively shortly after those power plays that expired. Those ones are bad penalties. They're terrible. Why even Why even go there? Why even reach with your stick or try to get somebody back after the fact? I mean, it's playoff hockey. Sometimes you uh, you learn the hard way, and the Penguins lost, learn the hard way again. Do you expect major changes this offseason? And could you imagine the Penguins trading one of their core, either Crosby, well, it won't be Crosby, but either Latang or Malkin, which would be tough given their movement causes? Yeah, well, I could I could imagine them dangling them out there. There's no question. You know, the, the Penguins are going to have to try to get younger here. Uh, you know, let's see what happens tonight. I would change my answer maybe uh, if that 12.5% or whatever comes up <laughs> and they get, a, <laughs> they get a young kid, but they need... They need some youth. They need some youth. And uh, it's um, it's funny. You know, last year the Penguins didn't weren't great in the playoffs, but to me their most dangerous player was Phil Kessel once again. I look back at that series. I'm, I have recollect, recollections of him, him having the best opportunities for the Penguins, and there wasn't many. And this year I, I don't know who had the best opportunities for Pittsburgh. There wasn't many. They were few and far between. So I, I just think the Penguins, they know it have to get younger. They have to get younger. There's no question about it. And uh, in doing that, they might have to you know, get rid of some of that cast space to get some of that youth. You see, here's my worries about Crosby, Malkin, and Latang moving forward. I'm not sure any of them are willing to change their game. And if the Penguins are indeed mediocre moving forward, I'm not sure how any of those three would deal with it, especially uh, Malkin and, and Tanger. I think, I think Sid... Could accept it. I think he's always seen himself as a career penguin. Not that the other two would want out, but uh, let's face it, Bibbs. None of those three have ever been on a bad penguin team before. No, and uh, so maybe now's the time. Maybe they, maybe they maybe you get rid of one of them. I mean, I think I think there's no question that Jim Rutherford's gonna gonna look around and see if there's any anything out there. Why wouldn't he? he Jim looks at everything. He's pretty honest about things. 
and uh, he wants to make his hockey team better, younger, faster. Those are all things they want to do. Um, you can't beat father time. And for the Penguins, uh, you want guys that are engaged, hungry, and looking to win another Stanley Cup. And I agree with you with Sid. I like Sid's game. I still think he was good in the playoffs at times. Uh, one guy can't do it alone. Never could. Always need a team. You need four lines. But the Penguins need need some players. And uh, I, I like that Poulin in camp. i got to tell you, I like them. And I think you'll see him in the lineup next year. And he'll be, he'll be uh, a benefit to this hockey team. I kind of like the idea of Pierre-Olivier Joseph. I know he needs a couple pounds, but I like what we've seen of him. Well, we saw we saw what happened with the young defenseman. Marino was uh, maybe the best. Dumoulin, he only played a handful of games before he before he came back, and then we had this big stoppage. That hurt him because he was, he's was he been so solid. I mean, he's a big plus player every year. You get Dumoulin on one pair, you get Marino on another pair, and then you see what you want to do from there. And uh, But the Penguins are going to have to look at some different directions because it's been a couple of sour years that uh, nobody's going to stand. Nobody's going to stand for that one more time. Uh, fine, finally, Bibbs, who's going to win the cup? Cause I, I, I hate to say this. I got a feeling it's going to be Philadelphia. They got that number one seed and with the reseeding each round that really sets them up. You know, I really like my uh, Philadelphia. I saw them in the uh, that playoff exhibition game there with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are strong down the middle. I like the way they're coached. They can shut it down. They can score some goals. They've, their leaders now have found a way to play defensive hockey, like the Giroux of the world. So they've been able to now they're now they're pieces of a of a winning team instead of uh, elite players on a on a crummy team. So they figured out how to do it as, as a team. But I told you and you had a good chuckle a couple of weeks ago when we talked. I told you I like Columbus, so I can't just fight. I, I can't just move away from them. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, that underdog and see how far they can take it. <laughs> Bibbs, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me, and I hope we talk soon. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. That's Bob Airy from AT&T Sportsnet, brought to you by First National Bank and by Duncan. Pittsburgh runs on Duncan. Okay, ask Mark anything about hockey. Right now, all hockey calls, ask Mark anything about hockey. And we've got Paul Steigerwall next hour. Lots of hockey talk. It's a great show. It's a shame hockey only lasted a week. 1059X. 1059. I just want to reset by saying that the Penguins have a big decision to make this offseason. They need to decide whether to go on a nostalgia trip and keep around all three members of their core, namely Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, and then uh, go the way of the Los Angeles Kings. Be a, a playoff team probably next year, not a legitimate contender, but a playoff team. And then probably be one and done for the third year in a row. And you get even worse after that. Or you get rid of a member of the core three, not Crosby, but either Malkin or Latang. And you get younger. You have some cap room. You promote younger guys like uh, Poulin and Olivier Joseph. And you turn the page on this version of the team. If you keep all three members of the core, the team doesn't change. You're not making any significant moves. If you get rid of Schultz, you know, let him walk, Sherry walk, uh, Marlowe, all the unrestricted guys, you let them walk, that's easy. You get rid of Jack Johnson, buy him out, whatever, that's easy. You pick and choose through the restricted free agents. Maybe keep McCann on the cheap. Definitely keep Jari. You know, get rid of Murray, which I think they'll do because he's unrestricted after next year and they're not going to pay him what he wants. 
a figure that's going to be ridiculous given his performance since 2017. All that's easy to do. All that's 101. But you need to change your core to change the team. And it'll break my heart to see any of those guys go. Either guy, Latang or Malka, because it won't be Crosby. It'll break my heart because of what they've done and what they've accomplished. And maybe they'll refuse to go. Malkin has a flat-out no movement. Latang can pick 18 teams to which he could be traded, which makes him certainly more likely to be moved. But I think he's harder to replace than Malkin. It'll be tough when that happens because of what they've done, but uh, that era is over. And it was probably over. No, you know what? It was definitely over after Kuznetsov scored in 2018. Because look at the last two years. They've been crap. At least by the standards set here in Pittsburgh. By this core. Time to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by FoxBet. Make the call. Ask about hockey, I should say. Make the call and download the app today. Adults 21 and over. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's go to Alex in Fox Chapel. Alex, ask Mark anything about hockey. What's up, Double M? What's up, man? Nothing. Um, even though it was just a abbreviated season and a qualifying round, do you think this affects the Penguins' playoff uh, like consistency? No, right. they've been pretty consistent the last couple of years, consistently bad. I have well, no idea I, what you're asking, sir. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Lincoln in Finleyville. Lincoln, ask Mark anything about hockey. Where was the deck hockey rink in Finleyville on 88? Oh, who gives a frig about deck hockey in Finleyville? F off, bye. You asked, I answered. It was on Route 88, by the way. 412-333-WXDX. So, should the Penguins move one of their core? And if so, which one? Because you wouldn't get much return for Malkin or Latang given their age and their ticket. So what would you do? And we've been talking about all the shortcomings of the series against Montreal. I think the two biggest problems were the Stars didn't produce and Sully did a terrible job. Simple as that. I've gone over the breakdown for both those opinions earlier in the show and the stars are still good players and Stully's still a good coach but uh, how can you lose to the number 24 seed and act like the people just mentioned didn't screw the pooch in a big way because if they don't screw the pooch in a big way you win that series but the penguins did not okay we got staggy at the bottom of the hour just around the corner i keep unleashing venom because what you gonna do brother You just lost to the number 24 seed. It's the Mark Man Show 105.9 The X.